on your charts. I just want to give you a, a good understanding before we finish with um, uh, the great white throne judgment of uh, Hades and then Gehenna. And so Gehenna is not in existence right now. You understand that. Gehenna is not in existence. You have Hades that is in existence right now. And so when the Old Testament saints died, this is, and as, if you look at your chart and follow your chart, so this is before the day of Pentecost. This is what it was like um, from the, uh, uh, concerning Hades. So when you look in the Old Testament, you'll see constantly that the Old Testament saints were scared of going to um, Sheol. It's what it was translated as. And so before the day of, before the Christ resurrected, this is what the construction looked like. And so you had Hades, or Sheol, which would be the Hebrew translation of it. And so you have paradise would be here where the Old Testament saints resided. Every person that died before the day of Pentecost went to Sheol when they died. Every single one. So you have a couple of occasions where people will say, well, what about Elijah? He went to heaven in a fiery chariot. He went to the first heaven in a fire chariot. You realize there are three different heavens. There's the sky, which is the first heaven. There's the stratosphere, which is, which is the second heaven. And then you have the third heaven where God dwells. And this is scripture outlines this. So what I picture Abra um, Elijah doing is going up to the first heaven. And I'm going to tell you, he went right back down to Sheol, just like everybody else. Now, how do we know that? Because Christ told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, that no man has gone into heaven, but the Son of Man whom you're talking to. Not one single human body had gone into heaven before Christ took his human body there. Not one. It was the first time, and this is what made that so an amazing thing. I wish I had seen the angels when they saw this happen. A human body going into the third heaven. They had never seen it happen before. And so here you see before, so they went down to paradise so when the Lord was on the cross, what did he tell the thief? This night, uh, this day, you shall be with me. He didn't say in heaven. He said in paradise. Right. And so and you see in Luke 16, you get a real good um, story, um, insight about how this works in Luke 16 between the rich man and Lazarus. And so there appears to be, from what we're told from Scripture, a chasm that was between these two. Now, how deep and how wide was that? I don't know. I mean, we're not told. But they were obviously able to look over across this chasm, those who were believers across this chasm, and they were able to see the Old Testament saints. Now, the thing that really strikes you is you ask the question, well, how did they know who they were? Right? Because Lazarus says, he wanted to go over to Father Abraham. How did he know that was Abraham? Did he have like a sign up saying Abraham's joint? Or what? <laughs> what? How did he know that? I mean, we don't, we don't, we're not told. I wonder sometimes that when, when on the other side of this life, if there's, you're able to perceive things that you can't on, in this life. Right? And so uh, you had the abyss, and then you had this um, lower part. Uh, Deuteronomy 32, uh, 22, I think it is, says there's a fire that burns in the lowest shield that's going to blow all of this sky high. I wonder if you can tell the scientists that. You're so smart. Let me tell you something. 
there's a fire that's burning in the lowest shield that's going to burn to such a degree, it's going to even cause the elements to come unloose. How about that one? Kevin, they yeah. are pretty sure that it's hot. <laughs> Some of them are finding out, Follow I think. Our friend, yeah, <laughs> Carl Sagan knows better now. Yeah, you know, uh, Carl Sagan, he's probably finding it out right now. And so um, I, I used to pick on old Carl Sagan because he was one of the guys that started this activism science. If you read his book, The Demon Haunted World, he tells you that he became a scientific activist because he lost a debate to some podunk preacher down in Arkansas, and he just couldn't believe that this preacher out-debated him. And he thought that these people are crazy. I've got to <laughs> save the world from these crazy folks. And, uh, and so he went on his tirade of activism, uh, scientific activism. And so here you have the third heaven. So when Christ was raised, um, he took paradise, and we can prove this from Scripture, and paradise is now not in the third heaven, but it's at the edge of the third heaven. It's not in the third heaven. And why is that important to know? Because God is still making a distinction. And Dan's, I'm setting you up here, Dan, for next week. God is still making a distinction between Israel and the church. So these saints here, what you're going to see is they're going to come over here. These Old Testament saints that lived before the day of Pentecost that was taken by the Lord up to the edge of the third heaven are going to come over here and they are going to um, uh, participate in the millennial kingdom. Well, got the arrows should have gone down here. They're going to be participating in the uh, millennial kingdom. Right. And so they're going to be raised from the dead. Daniel chapter 12 tells us that. Right. They're going to be raised from the dead and they're going to participate in the millennial kingdom. And so that whole the old thing about sitting down and sitting and eating with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Well, I used to wonder, well, when is that going to happen? You ever wondered that? It never happened. And I was wondering, well, when does this occur? Well, here we are in the millennial kingdom. That's when it's going to occur. And so now you have Hades. Is, there's no believers that are in Hades now. Everyone that goes to Hades are the unsaved people, and they go there immediately when they die. And I've always thought about this at funerals. I just can't escape my mind. I'm sitting here listening to people talk about how great this person was, and you know what their life was, and you're thinking, this person's probably burning in hell, even as we speak. And people are talking about how great they were. I mean, this whole uh, stuff about uh, Princess Diana, I don't know if she was a believer or not, but it struck me, when you see all these people worshiping her, I wonder if this woman's probably burning in hell. Wouldn't it be ironic that people are worshiping a person and even as they are worshiping this person, they're probably burning in Hades, even as we speak. And so it's no in-between. When you die, you're going one place or the other. And it's going to be pretty immediate, from what we understand. You're going to Hades. And it's just an interesting thing. You and I wouldn't do it like this. This is man's day. God's allowing man to say every, anything he wants him to say. You just yap out, yap on if you want to. Say whatever you want to say. Do what you got to do, but there's a day of reckoning coming. There was a guy at work, and I was talking to him about that, and, and he said, see, that's what you, what's wrong with you Christians. You're always talking about hell. Well, you can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> Nobody's telling you not to do that. You're certainly free to do it, but know that there's a day of reckoning coming, and that's a fact. And so 
here you have Hades, and then Hades, as you get to the lake of fire, as the lake of fire comes down at the end of the, uh, during the great white throne judgment, Hades is going to be tossed into the lake of fire. Gehenna, hell fire. So when you see the Lord talking about Gehenna, uh, and you, he says it was created for, created for the devil and his angels. Uh, now, that is going to come down and the lake of fire is going to be tossed into Gehenna. And why is that going to happen? Because I believe that what you see is there's compartments right here. You have the uh, abyss. Then you have demons who are chained in Tartarus, the sides of the pit. And this is reserved for Satan. And I just think it's going to create more compartments. So you have Hades tossed into Gehenna. Now there's all kinds of compartments. And that means there's going to be different, 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 different kinds of punishments, right? Different kinds of punishments. And how do we know that? Because the Lord said that there's going to be different kinds of punishments. Let me show you over in Matthew chapter 11. Now, you and I are not righteous sometimes. We would probably give the same people that we don't like the same judgment. But God's going to give people, and you're going to see it when we get uh, to uh, the great white throne judgment, according to their works. The believers are going, our works are going to be judged. The unsaved people are going to be judged according to how they, what they did in this life. A grandmother that sat in church or didn't go to church and refused to believe is not going to get it as worse as a drug dealer who murdered people. And so notice in Matthew chapter 11, you have the, um, um, the Lord uh, talking about um, those uh, cities that di didn't refuse to believe in verse 20. Then he began to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. And so all, just as an aside, all these people who look for miracles today and they want to see a miracle, miracles were not um, the fail-safe method of saving people. And so people who think that just because you see a miracle, that's going to save people. There was a lot of people that saw the miracles that the Lord did and never believed. Remember John chapter 6? What did he say to them? You don't follow me because you saw the miracles, the sign miracles. That's not what they were following him for. They were following him because he fed them. And this is the social gospel of the day. You feed people anything and they will follow you. This is a fact. Don't mean that they believe. Many of the people that were following the Lord did not believe. And he told them, labor not for the meat that perishes, but for the meat unto eternal life. They rejected the sign miracles. Think about that. They rejected it. Miracles don't necessarily in and of themselves save people. What did he tell the guy, the, the uh, rich man in Hades? He says, even if someone were to raise from the dead, people would not believe it. And miracles don't do that. And you got all of these people running around talking about miracles and laying hands on people. And you know, there's a bunch of charlatans, really. They really are.
And so um, notice he says in verse 21, Woe unto you, Karzan, woe unto you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works were done in you, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Oh, my goodness. Think about what he just said. So then you ask yourself the question, uh, well, why did he do them? Particularly when he comes to Sodom and what he says, but I say unto you, it will be more tolerable in the day of Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than you. And you, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to he uh, uh, hell. For in, if the mighty works which have been done in thee have been done in Sodom, they would have remained to this day. But I say, notice, and you see this a couple of times, it will be more tolerable. Verse 22, verse 24, more tolerable. There's going to be different gradations of judgment. Some people are going to get it worse than others. And it's going to all be according to their works. You know, it's just really interesting to see. And so uh, hopefully that helps you to have a picture of uh, Hades here. And then the Gehenna hellfire, uh, which is um, going to appear in the future. But the focus now is Hades. When people die, that's immediately where they go if they're unsaved and they don't believe the facts of the gospel. Immediately. It's immediate. I've always thought about that. It's just fascinating. People are just one second away from finding themselves there. Just one second away from finding themselves there. And, you know, they might be the most majestic or highfalutin person in the face of this, on the face of this earth. And they, the next second they die, they find themselves right here. And it's just really interesting to see. So that brings us over to Revelation, the 20th chapter. Revelation chapter 20. <clears throat> and we were in verse 7, I think. So Satan, we were talking about the fact that Satan currently has access to the third heaven. And it's a privilege that's not been taken from him. And it won't be until the middle of the tribulation period. And I hope you understand that. So now that brings us to uh, Revelation 20 and verse 7. And we saw that Satan is going to be bound for a thousand years. Um, and verse 7, um, and when the thousand years, let's go to in verse 6, let's go back one verse. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such, the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. So you have a lot of people who don't believe in the millennial kingdom. They're amillennialists. But what they really don't believe in is scripture. That's really what they don't believe in. Because didn't we? Did you just read a thousand years here? We did. Right? Everybody can see that, right? Uh, I don't even have my glasses on. I can still see it. It says cl pretty clearly a thousand years. I mean, I, I don't know where you get amillennialism from, except for the fact you don't believe scripture. <laughs> and so... Uh, and when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. So Satan is going to be bound here in Hades for a thousand year period. And that thousand years is going to be while the millennial kingdom is going on. And why is God doing this? I think that the reason that he's doing this is every um, dispensation is to show man something about himself. 
And in, if you look at all of these different rules of life that God has given man and you come down to the, se- the seventh one. Um, and one of the things you're going to see, you know, remember, uh, some of you are too young to remember the Flip Wilson comedy hour. And he used to be uh, dressed up as uh, Reverend Leroy. And it was the he was over the church of what's happening now. <laughs> and and what did he used to always say? The devil made me do it. Or Geraldine, the devil made me do it. Right. Well, in the millennial kingdom, nobody's going to be able to say that. Because Satan's not going to be around. Not going to be any Satan. For a thousand years, he's not going to be around. So you can't blame it on Satan. There's not going to be any world system. The world system is going to be destroyed prior to the uh, millennial kingdom. Not going to be able to blame it on the world. Well, who does that leave? Who does that leave? Me. The person that, the guy that wrote the book, I'm okay, you're okay, said that there's nothing wrong with you. Right? Dr. Spock who has written all of this wonderful stuff about how to raise your kids and he didn't even know how to raise his. There's something wrong with people. And this is what God is pointing out. You can remove the uh, world system. You can remove Satan. And there's something wrong with people. You can have a perfect condition. The curse is going to be removed from the earth during the millennial kingdom. All the conditions are going to be perfect. No poverty, uh, no crime. Nobody can blame it on their background or their poverty or their situation they came from. Nobody can say, oh, you don't understand how I grew up. No one will be able to say any of those things. And what it will reveal is there's something wrong with people. And people really know that. We, we just lie to ourselves, right? I've not found a person yet who have been willing to take my test of writing down all of the thoughts that go through their mind on a daily basis, maybe even a monthly basis. And I've asked unsaved people. And you know why? Because people inherently know they're no good. They know that. And I think that this is some of the conflict that people have that leads them to drugs and alcoholism. They know they're no good. Um, and they don't, I don't think they know the depth of it. And so here you see Satan's bound for a thousand years and Satan is loose at the end of these thousand years. And Satan's sentence is finally carried out after his rebellion at the end of the millennial kingdom. And so we saw last week that he's let out for a little time at the end of the thousand years. And then he immediately goes into leading another rebellion. And God puts that down. And notice in verse 11, we find ourselves and I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face earth and heaven fled away. And there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were open and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things that were written in the book, books, according to their works. All of these people. I mean, just think about the people who are doing evil, evil things. Well, 
They said, the police can't stop me. My mom and daddy can't stop me. I'm going to do what I want to do. There's a day of reckoning coming. There's a day of reckoning coming. And everybody is going to be judged. Now, I believe here, one of the things that the reason that these people are going to Hades and you're going to see is they're going to Hades because their names are not found written in the book. That's why they're going. Now they're going to be judged. To see that word, according to their works, that word kata is according to a standard of measurement of their works. And so if you were to um, draw if you were to draw a little box that you're measuring something by, you say that this box um, would say the unsaved works. And so here it is, right here. What they're going to get is going to be measured by what they did. We don't understand that today because we are in an unrighteous society. People can do horrendous things and get away with it. They do horrendous crimes and serve no time at all. And you know why? Because people are unrighteous. They show partiality and judgment. God judges righteously. And each one will get according to uh, what they have done. And so uh, this... um, and so Christ is the one that is at the judgment seat on page 22 on the sea. And so you see him judging the world throughout scripture. And so all judgment, he tells you, has been entrusted to him. Uh, and notice this is an interesting thing because he didn't, he said he did not come to judge the world during his earthly ministry. But he is going to judge the world. All of those judged at the great white throne judgment are the spiritually dead. Notice in verse uh, 20, uh, 12, he says, and I saw the dead, both small and great. And so, you know, it's interesting in the world system, people are categorized by how rich they are. Right. How powerful they are. Um, how many people follow them. I mean, you just look in the world and how many people oogle over some of these entertainers and these politicians and these famous people, however they became famous, some of them even infamous, <laughs> that people oogle over. Uh, Ted Bundy being uh, one that comes to mind. Uh, but none of that's going to matter on the other side. And so the word for dead here is the word necros, which em- emphasizes those who are in a state of death. They're in a state of death. Now, the dead will be raised from all sectors. Notice Small includes those of little stature, as we just said, great. Uh, and they're all standing uh, before the throne. Um, they're standing before the great white throne. And uh, the word uh, standing there is histomy. And, um, and it's, it's, it looks at them as being positioned in an upright position. And I wanted to double check There's something here. Um, Uh, 
uh, anyway, okay. Uh, and so they were standing before the throne. And notice in verse uh, 12, and those at the great white throne are judged out of the books. Now, God has um, several different books in heaven. And so, well, what is it? Does it look like this book? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> but I know that there's a book. And I don't think the book is for him. I think a lot of the things that God does, it's for his creatures. Do you think God has forgotten who was saved over the course of time? Oh, can't remember. I got to write it down. <laughs> I mean, he hasn't forgotten. I think the books are for spirit beings. To see what he's doing and how he's following along with what he said. Uh, mostly. And so you see that there's a book of life that records all that are saved. Um, there is a, a book of the living records all who are alive at a given point in time. And then you have the book of the decree in which God has um, is following what has been decreed or outlined in, at a point in time. And so the first book was probably the book of the decree, uh, the book that includes a record of God's plan and purposes for the ages. And so um, the punishment at the great white throne judgment differs from other judgments. All judgments at the great white throne judgments, as we said, is going to be according to the works. Uh, the dead are judged out of the things written. Um, the dead are judged according to their works. And then um, the evil dead of all time are rounded up from three sectors. Uh, notice it says that the sea gave up the dead that are in them. Now, just think about, um, you know, it's interesting that uh, somebody asked me one day, uh, is uh, cremation evil? You know, it's, I mean, should I be cremated? And it was an interesting thing. There's a lot of people that have died at sea. I mean, over the course of time, quite a few. I mean, maybe there, there are millions down there. And they probably have been eaten or consumed by other animals who turned that into something else, <laughs> who turned that into something else. But you know, it's an amazing thing that God knows every, where every one of those molecules are. Every single one of them. And that he's able to bring it all back together. Death. It, here it describes the act of death when the soul and spirit are separated from the body. And in hell or Hades, uh, which is the current place where unsaved men go when they die. Gave up the dead that are, that are in them. And notice the basis for being cast into the lake of fire. And let's read down to verse 15. Um, in verse 15, you find it. And who's, uh, and so, who, in verse 15, and whosoever, uh, or really you can actually translate it, and since certain ones were not found written in the book of life, they were cast into the lake of fire. And so it's interesting because I do think that this comes back to election. I really do. Well, how did your name get into the book of life? Well, there's a lot of ways you can backtrack on that. But you ever gone to a restaurant and you didn't have a reservation? Your name is not here. Oh, we didn't find your name here. <laughs> Sorry, sir. Your name's not written there. And, you know, and I want to say that that doesn't, um, that doesn't um, um, 
excuse the responsibility of the person to believe. But, I mean, there's a lot that is involved there. But notice, whosoever's name were not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, we've talked about the fact that there is going to be judgment and we're going to be judging together with Christ. And I really believe that we're going to see people that we know standing at the great white throne judgment. I think in our um, exalted state, we're going to see this totally different. You know, it's interesting. Today, you have people who have a hard time being object- objective. Right? You see a kid that's acting bad, and the mom is like, Oh, no, no, my child didn't do that. Not my child. Knowing good and well, she's seen the kid do all kinds of criminal activity. Oh, not my child. Don't have the ability to be objective. I think on that day we will have the ability to, of being objective and we will say what God says. This is the right thing. You are righteous in how you've executed judgment. And we will see it the way that God sees it. Judgment in this world and among fallen men is crucial. If you say that there is no judgment like the unsaved say say today, well, just look at the results of it. They don't want to judge anything anymore. Do you know in California you can go and steal something for uh, right up to nine hundred and something dollars? Nine hundred sixty-five dollars, I think. As long as it's not nine hundred sixty-five dollars, you can steal all day long. You can go online, and they've got people going in, and they've got cameras where the, the security guards are sitting there watching people walk out with products, just stealing in broad daylight, taking bags in and stuffing them with products, and walking straight out the door because they raised the limit. As long as it's not six nine hundred sixty-five dollars, it's a uh, misdemeanor. So one guy, he had a smart notion. He raised all the prices in the store to $965 and says, you can bring it to the counter and there's a coupon I'll give you <laughs> for the real price. Oh, that was pretty smart. But it gives you an understanding that people and the, and the unsafe man doesn't have the capacity and he doesn't have the stomach to judge. And to judge righteously. Because he's unrighteous. And yet, um, we see that judgment is sorely important. And I'll leave you with this before we take our test. Going back to our uh, chart, the purpose of judgment. To punish sin. To correct behavior. To maintain order. To resolve disputes. To maintain a proper standard. If you don't have judgment today, as the unsaved people say, that there should not be. the The result will be you will have chaos chaos outside of the church which has always been the case and you'll have chaos inside the church which shouldn't be the case so the judgment is not whether there's judgment today is not the question it's how do we judge what is the proper judgment we don't judge motives right I don't know why you do what you do I don't even know as I said why I do what I do many times God's going to judge that. We don't judge the world. Right? God's going to judge that. We don't judge hypocritically. 
I can't judge you if I'm doing the same thing. Right? And you don't judge partially. With partiality. And you see people, they will judge someone else harshly because they don't like the family that they came from or the background that they came from. And this is what you see in the world a lot, right? But you get a rich guy who does something, oh yeah, you're fine. We know, don't, don't I know your dad? Isn't he a judge down such as, oh yeah, you get a free pass, right? Or they were Buckeye. <laughs> or president. Or Buckeye. <laughs> and so we'll stop right there. Uh, and so I hope that you, you walk away from this class understanding the proper use of judgment and that the judgment is necessary and how is it to be meted out according to what ple is pleasing to God and that you have a right understanding of that. I know that in the world there's a lot of misconceptions about this word. And I hope that believers have the proper understanding of it and that we're not bullied uh, uh, away from what scripture says and that we stand on what is truth, what is true. And that makes a big difference. Any questions before we take our test? Yeah, Dan. Kevin, I know you have a reason uh, for having mentioned this. You said the book may be for the benefit of, this, did you say the seraphim? No, I said uh, spirit beings. Oh, spirit beings. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know in particular because, have you ever seen the book? <laughs> I've not seen it, so I know it's not for me. <laughs> uh, and human beings have not seen the book. And I think that God does a lot of things. And I, just from what we know about what he's doing with spirit beings, I think that it's more for the angels. Um, that a lot of the things that God is doing, there's a certain amount of things that God is doing that is just for the angels to see. And he's showing them, as we see in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 10, the many different ways of how God applies what he knows. So that's wisdom. You and I, ah, we're not as wise. Somebody do something to us, we're ready to jump on it. God can take a long time in meeting out what he's going to do. You can do that when you're in control of all things. Yeah. Like a fire in existence right now? Correct. Okay, so that's not until what? After the millennial kingdom? I believe after the millennial kingdom that it's brought onto the scene at the great white throne judgment. And then, then you have this issue with um, um, Hades, as you saw in, Revel in Revelation 20, is tossed into the lake of fire. Right. And so the lake of fire originally, or Gehenna, hellfire, was created for the devil and his angels. It's just that fallen men who, who follow them will be able to participate in it. Yeah. Yeah, you you. Yeah, you wonder because he's operated outside of uh, time. Um, I mean, I don't know. That's a good question um, as to how he would see it, whether it would be a quick, a short amount of time or not. Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, but uh, what is interesting is that the fact that he's confined, and if you go back to the 14th chapter, and I think it's there that uh, now when he comes down to Hades, people, the uh, other beings in Hades 
actually see him for what he is, he's not really that impressive. That he doesn't have the power that he thinks he has. <laughs> yeah, could be. And, and, and the way that he's uh, reckoning things uh, during that time and the fact that he's constrained for the first time. Now, you have to remember, Satan is the highest form of spirit being that God created. So you had if you had this pyramid, you had a cherubim, which are on top. And Satan is the highest form, highest cherub. So he's the highest spirit being that God has created. This has got to be a humiliating thing for him that. Up to this point, he has not lost any of his access and control. So when he's limited to Hades, this is a humiliating thing. I mean, he has none of the access that he had, and then he doesn't have any of the authority that he had before. So it's really interesting. Uh, for those of you who are online, the pretest is online uh, on, under Kevin Jeffrey, so you can go and take that, and it's a, the same test. So, if you want to take that. So, the first question is judgment in Scripture can be defined as A, balancing of the scales between races, B, the administration of justice according to an objective standard. C, the administration of a subjective opinion on a matter, or D, the rendering of an accusation? B, it's B. Uh, number two, the purpose of judgment is punishment of sin, correct behavior, maintain proper standard, all of the above. D, all of the above. Uh, number three, judgment was formed for Israel for the purpose of A, stoning, B, affirming the wicked, C, justifying the righteous and condemning the wicked in disputes. D, to confirm the standards of society. C. Number four, judgment is to be meted out. A, based upon one's social status. B, based upon racial and gender <coughs> identity. C, without respect of persons. Or D, all of the above. C, without respect of persons. This is the thing that uh, can come up in the church. You you. We, we really should not, and we didn't uh, stop in James, and we could have done that. Uh, the respect of persons, making di uh, distinctions between people because of the status of people in the church, or your friends, or you know, any of this kind of stuff. One of the things I really, in retrospect, have re appreciated my father for is he treated everybody the same. And I'll, I'll tell you a story. My sister um, had a baby out of wedlock. And he made her trot up right to the front of the church just like everybody else. And he did not make a distinction between who it was. And that's the thing that you can do. You can, oh, it's my family member. Oh, it's my best friend. Oh, I can't make a judgment against them. It's my best friend. This gets us in a lot of trouble in the church. Everyone should be treated the same. The same. <clears throat> and so then you have uh, Christ's judgment on the basis of his return will be based upon A, righteousness, B, good people, C, social status, or D, religion. 
A, righteousness. Um, true or false? Circle the true or uh, false uh, for each statement. God always, uh, number one, God always allows believers to judge themselves today. True or false? True. And as we've said, if you, if you judge yourself, what does it say? You won't be judged. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear. Number two, the Father is the one who renders all judgment. False. Yeah, it's the Son that's going to be the one that's judging. Uh, number three, the church judges the world. False. Number four, the church judges believers in open sin. True. Uh, number five, the great white throne judgment is for the saved and unsaved. So if you have your little chick publication that says this is your life, you can toss that <laughs> because it is inaccurate. <laughs> it has a general judgment for all people. That's inaccurate. The only people that will appear at the great white throne judgment are the unsaved. Um, the sheep and goats judgment occurs before the, uh, um, occurs after the tribulation period. True. God judged Cain for killing Abel. True. The Noahic flood was a judgment upon the sons of Seth. False. The judgment of the Tower of Babel was due to sexual perversion. The uh, Satan has already been judged. True. Okay, fill in the blanks. Number one. Blank is when one judges another for what they are doing themselves. Right. Number two, if a believer judges blank, he will not be judged by the Lord. The, uh, number three, the Bema Seat judgment, uh, the Bema Seat is the place of judgment for. And this is really important to know. So the believer is not going to be judged at the Bema Seat judgment. Our destiny is already secure. What's going to be judged is our works. You can see that in 1 Corinthians 3. You can see it in 2 Corinthians 5. There's not going to be any, uh, what do you call them, mea culpas there, where you're saying, oh, Lord, you just don't understand. This is why I did that. You have to say no word is going to have to be said about it. The works are going to stand for themselves. And so um, then you have the uh, number four, the things blank is, is the focus of the works uh, judged at the BBC judgment. Practice. And, and this is the thing that's, it uses that word praxis, which is really huge because it talks about things that are a habit, a continual thing that you did while you were in this body. Blank will be bought to light at the Bema Seat judgment. Yeah. Number six, the time frame for the sheep and, sheep and goats judgment is when the sun. And you have Matthew twenty five thirty one, And this is very crucial. So you see that he comes and he takes control as king. That's when he judges the sheep and the goats. He sits upon the throne of his judgment and he gets all of these uh, people together, the sheep and the goats, and then that's when he judges. Blank are the ones judged at the sheep and the goats' judgment. Right, it's only Gentiles. Only Gentiles at this judgment. So at the end of the tribulation period, all the Gentiles who are alive on the earth at that time, he gathers them together. And that's when the judgment and the judgment is going to be predicated on how they treated the 144,000 Jews during that time, during the tribulation period. And those who believe this is where the cold water comes in. 
if you give a cup of cold water to one of these, my, the least of these, my brethren. Well, that doesn't mean anything today. You can give a cup of cold water to people all day long. I'll stand out here on the street and just give cold water all day long. But in the tribulation period, when water is in short supply, and that may be your last cup of water, that's significant. And so that's going to make a huge difference. Notice in verse uh, number eight, Israel's final judgment takes place in the wilderness. Number nine, the first judgment occurred in the... Number 10, God's judgments are always according to... Number 11, blank directs judgment for the believer today. Number 12, blank shows partiality in judgment. The wicked. And uh, Lynn asked me a question as to what it, which did that translate. Do you know what that translates? Do you, do you have it on your computer? You can find that. The wicked... The wicked, the wicked shows partiality in judgment. I think it's in Proverbs. Which um, word did that translate? Because there's several different... Partiality? The wicked. Oh, the wicked. Yeah. Blank settled disputes among those in the nation of Israel. Moses. And so he was, remember, he was judging matters among the nation. And um, he was wearing himself out. And uh, Jethro, his father-in-law, came and told him to appoint other people to help him in these, uh, settling these disputes. So here you have Moses was able to do it, and the children of Israel, they were able to judge among disputes among those in the nation of Israel, but somehow the church doesn't believe that they have the capacity to do it. It's interesting to me, very interesting, that the church does not believe that they have the capacity to settle disputes among believers. Very interesting. When under law they did it. Number 14, mankind commonly judges unjustly. Yeah, you're not going to really get, I keep telling Joyce, I do not want to be judged by a jury of my peers. I have seen my peers, and I don't trust their judgment. <laughs> I hope I never find myself in that situation where I'm having to be judged by a jury of my peers. Because it's all based upon how they look. Why is does he look ill? Does he look like he's guilty? Oh, he's laughing. He must be guilty. Just crazy stuff they come up with. To, to, to measure whether or not you're innocent or guilty. Oh, he doesn't look sad enough. He must have did it. Uh, he must have. <laughs> yeah, that, that did it right there, right? <laughs> that would put me the, the nail in the coffin. And the last question, number 15, blank is the result of the believer being judged by the Lord. Chastening. So we're not going to be chastened by the Lord if we judge ourselves. So remember the process here. I judge myself. If I judge myself, the church is not going to have to judge me. And if the church doesn't have to judge me, the Lord's not going to have to judge me. Right? All I got to do is judge myself. And that, and that makes a huge difference when we understand it. Okay, I hope this class has been very helpful. We start next week uh, with two new classes. In the last quarter for this year, Dan's going to teach eschatology, which is the study of last things. And the next class is going to be taught by myself, which is charisology. It's a, it's a class we haven't taught before, and it's a study of grace. And so we talk about grace a lot, but we don't really talk about grace a lot. <laughs> we don't, we're not really delved into it. And we want to get into the nitty gritty of what is grace and what the scriptures say grace is and how important it is. And so, Lord willing, we'll do that for two weeks. Then Courtney and I have two 
go out to Washington. We're going to take a break that extra week that we had that we didn't use because of the cruise. And then we'll pick, take up when we come back. Okay, so two weeks in, break, then we'll finish the quarter when we come back.